A friend of mine who's a very well-known um, visionary in healthcare said that in this type of position as a curator, you cannot be, let's say, the seer who tells the truth, but at least you can start helping people to point to look into some directions. In this episode, we invited Stan Salouver, head of Cannes Next, who shares how he became a curator, his way to prep conferences with his team, his take on the diversity challenge and the importance of serendipity. We will also hear why everything has changed after the pandemics in the conference business and all about harnessing technologies for a better future. This podcast, Fast Forward, is about the brains behind the brains. Yes, the curators of all the innovation conferences around the world that help us think and shape the future. We wanted to bring them out of the shadow of conference stages to the front and have them share who they are, how they work, and how do they keep up with the crazy rhythm of innovation. We might also have them unveil some of the hot themes coming up. Join our monthly conversation with the world's top conferences programmers and learn how do you curate the future. I am AC Coppens, founder of The Catalysts, hosting this podcast with a French accent. Fast forward. For this episode, I invited Sten Christian Salouver, head of Cannes Next, at the renowned international film festival de Cannes, Marché du Film. Sten Salouver is a media and tech strategist and C-level advisor on the digital transformation of media industries, but also a content and technology entrepreneur as the founder of StoryTech. Sten is based in Estonia and Japan, but I met him in Cannes, on the last day of this year's Marché du Film. So, hey Stan, good morning. This is the last day of Cannes Next at the Marché du Film in Cannes. We are sitting backstage in your office, so there will be some uh, nice sounds of people popping in, in during the interview, and we like real life. How are you doing this morning? Bonjour. Um, <laughs> um, it's been rather extraordinary Marché, by, by any standards. Yes, we've been almost two and a half years in the lockdown and of course this has been a very dramatic change um, for the audiovisual industry, but I would say, you know, any industry in general. So um, over a long time there is a certain excitement in Cannes, um, but I of course have to be very honest that there is a certain exhaustion in Cannes. Yes. Tell me a little bit more about what is Cannes next? It's a rather big paradox that um, the film industry needs to be, or audiovisual industry, or independent audiovisual industry needs to be reminded of the potential of technology or new ways of thinking. Well, you know, if we look back into the history of film, it's really all about innovation. And um, the, the original idea of Can Next in, in many ways was to showcase those things which will come in the future and, and will start shaping the industry in a short amount of time. Of course, as the pace of technology is accelerating, and I think McKinsey very beautifully said that uh, in this past year, two years of pandemic, we jumped at least a decade into the future. There's, it's like 700% rate of digitalization. So many of the things we, um, we think are part of the future are actually happening now. And I think it's quite interesting to see that at least the pandemic for me in various capacities showed that the organizations that were able to successfully um, navigate the pandemic in the audiovisual sector were the ones who just went into this new world with a very open and agile mind and said, okay, yes, times are very much different. We see that the tools are out there. We might not necessarily have the knowledge or the confidence to go there, but we'll at least try. And I think really 
taking that pivot in the mindset of saying, hey, if our main mission is to get our content or, or creativity to an audience, and if the audience structure has changed, well, what are the tools out there to helping us to do the job the most best way? What made you actually a curator? Did you want to become a curator? Did you know what a curator was? Did it, how, how did it happen? Actually? Oh, this is a quite a funny story. Um, well, originally, I'm a, well, I've been kind of around this content and technology for quite a while since I was about yeah ab about a teenager. And when I started working in in 90s in, uh, in Estonian radio, my father was sorts of a Soviet rock star. He's uh, now, now in, uh, in, um, mostly in classical music. Uh, but I had been hanging around for studios for a while, and especially in the 90s in Eastern Europe, we didn't have access to um, you know, a lot of proper technology. And so we had to build a lot of things our own. So you, know, you start hanging around with hacker groups, and then you, have, you know, start hanging around with people who build you stuff, and you build your own stuff. And so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's been kind of around for a while, but But the funny thing was, well, it actually started really from, from film. I was studying to be an, um, a media producer and a um, communication theorist, and then I had to do work placement. That was around early 2000s. Um, but I didn't make any sense to go to studio because I had been working there already since uh, high school. Um, and then the Black Knights Film Festivals found the Dina uh, was one of our teachers. Black Knights was very, very small. I think it was like 30 guests and 30 films or, or you know, so now it's about 2000 and, and then A class. Um, and uh, she was like, yeah, you know, you know, you can come to do work placement for us. Um, and uh, I went there, I thought to stay a week, inherently stayed for 17 years. Um, and then actually at 2010, um, It was a very, very interesting time because um, the festival had already done some quite big leapfrogs. We had been accepted into FIAF in 2008, which was a big jump up. And then in 2010, we had some political restructure also in Estonia, where the national film body was organized from a foundation into an institute. And there was a sort of a general sense of let's say, excitement around. Um, and then uh, we started really looking at... Um, You know, how could a small country develop a visibility model in the world, right? Well, now, of course, we talk about the Estonian startup miracle, 10 unicorns per 1.3 million, and, and, you know, what if not? But already in 2010, a lot of things were happening because Skype had been unicorned uh, already. Uh, I had some close friends or many close friends who worked in the first gen. I mean, the whole shtick when they kind of... Uh, sold it to uh, eBay, then they kind of bought it back and then it sold it to Microsoft for a billion, you know, that, that made big headwaves and we already had other startups as well. And at that time I kind of started feeling that, well, this is quite interesting, right? Where in, in many ways making films and making startups is quite similar, right? High risk, very key, okay, cast, but, you know, team, you have to have great marketing, great concept the whole pitching section, etc. you know, how about we could actually harness the, the power of technology and, and a kind of the startup model into the film industry. Uh, and they started kind of pushing that into whatever we did in Tallinn. Um, and the whole idea then being kind of somewhere between understanding what technology does, what it gives, where, where it's kind of leapfrogging, and I don't, I don't know if it, it was a bit foresight or just, uh, just a bit of luck, but... Um, Uh, everything kind of started really from there. So tell me, uh, Stan, how do you prepare actually for the conference? How do you do you read? How do you scout speakers? Like, where do you get this substance that you're going to share with the audience later on? Oh, this is very difficult. 
um, you know, I'm always actually quite fascinated how other people do it. Um, I think for me there are several things around there. I think the first thing is really to look out what is the zeitgeist right now, and because each event needs to have a certain type of an audience, and I always like that there is some you know sparkle or connection with the audience. It gives me tremendous energy. Um, I think the zeitgeist right now is definitely around the new creative Europe, and I think that's going to be for us for, for quite a while. A friend of mine who's a very well-known um, visionary in healthcare said that in this type of position as a curator, you cannot be, let's say, the seer who tells the truth, but at least you can start helping people to point to look into some directions, right? And, and, and where do you start, how do you go, and etc. And I think there's a lot of things to talk about education, about uh, about kind of again going over this uncanny valley of so so that's I think the big big zeitgeist uh, right now and of course all kinds of pop themes whether it's about metaverse or and and etc etc so those things are very very important well then uh, after that I usually I start building my own uh, sort of a how can I say a competence cathedral or or place where I actually start looking at people who um, you know, who have something exciting to say about this. Um, so, and then it's all like going out all radars. Because usually I think the, um, well, you have, have to read a lot. There is a lot of, let's say, predictions and futurists who are doing some amazing work. I think Mary Meeker and um, Amy Webb, for example, are really, they're really good ones to look because they give a good horizon. But also from Europe, Ezra Eman, who used to be chief strategist at DBU, and now he's at Media. Who is, so he's Ezra is, you know, someone I have a tremendous respect of knowing, but but the way how he is able to kind of, you know, take big chunks of things and sort of put them into key themes, which, you know, many of the things I agree or see coming, but just either by time or by my job description, I don't have kind of time to look in. I think the way how he talked about streaming wars or the um, or the content crash, right, uh, it's, it's quite good. Um, well, of course, doing the whole kind of thing around the, um, you know, the conferences, looking who are speaking at the conferences and etc. And then also looking in the, in the internet into strange places where it's, I think LinkedIn re recently has turned into a very interesting medium in a sense where um, if you do, you, you can do a lot of like deep diving, and then there's also those very private formats where, where you know, once or twice a year, you get into some strange serendipity places where somebody says something who knows something and etc. And then it gets into personal level. So I think in terms of then you start understanding, okay, those are those content bubbles or or, or places where the interesting things happen. But then the next level, which is, of course, very challenging in a curatorial position, is that can, are those people really able to speak? Uh, are they really... Uh, really inspiring? Yeah, are they really inspiring? Um, do they want to speak? Uh, have they, you know, have they that type of a capacity of a role? Um, um, and, and this is where the complicated stuff stuff comes. Um, and then on top of that, you know, add then the financing level or the political level that who does fit into some type of a roster and, and for, for what reason, etc. Another thing, of course, I have to be very vocal about is, of course, the, the issues around sort of diversity and, and, and balance. And look, I have been thinking about it a lot and it's very problematic. It is a, it's a, it's a source of a constant headache what we ourselves are to blame. And in, in many, many cases, you, you are in a situation where it's extremely hard, for example, to get a really good balanced panel. 
in many cases, of course, now in Cannes also we've seen that, uh, you know, there is a lot of female power or, you know, whatever the gender definition power there is. But in some cases, it's very, in some industries, it's very, very hard to achieve. And it's, our, it's just our whole system to blame. Not talking about people of color or other representation, etc. And, and I'm a bit jumping around, but one of the things that we're very seriously thinking here at the Marche is, you know, where does this new, new industry really come from? We have trained for years and years to, to be it white, privileged, upper class, uh, very sort of mercantile or, or the master and apprentice type of a structure with like huge gatekeeping. And, you know, if the whole world right now is full of, you know, a lot of exciting content creators, it's like, where are they? I'd like to have them. But we just don't have a vocabulary. We don't have a structure. We, you know, it's, it's almost like starting to build your own, I don't want to say educational lines. Maybe it sounds too, too far-fetched. But how do you actually build this, exactly this funnel or this opportunity where, where you can actually, you know, say Bridges. that. Yeah, or, you know, enrich a certain industry, which is just being very, you know, kind of monocultural, right? Talking about um, diversity, you have also a team around you. You have a lot of people helping you to elaborate the program or how are you working with uh, your team? I think, I think Marche is a really exciting place in a sense to, to work because we have people from France, from Ukraine, from um, uh, Spain, Mexico, Switzerland, Armenia... It's, uh, it's, it's a really great uh, hotspot in a sense, and each of us brings us kind of a certain type of a flavor. Um, and I think, you know, it, we are a bit of a startup or a competition in a sense that uh, we see what type of ideas we have. We throw out some big types of topics, mm -hmm. and then we kind of throw them out and validate them with, with each other to see whether they make sense, and uh, both in terms of finance, in terms of our partnerships and, uh, and so forth. So one of the other things, what perhaps many people kind of don't realize is also, you know, looking from, from an exhibitor or a potential partner side is that um, even if it's a kind of a paid partnership, we, we go quite a long way of, of working with the partners because in a way then it's not just a partner event in the Marche, but we are like full on, which means, um, For example, we, th we think about where this event should be positioned, what type of time slot, how to attract the audience, identifying those audiences from our own internal databases, doing the marketing for them. I write actually all of the copy. Uh, I used to do it when I was at the festivals. I wrote every single synopsis in two languages at least uh, because, you know, it's my, it's my things and, like, it's kind of my responsibility. And, and I know why that that certain piece is there, why that certain individual is there, mm -hmm. how are they part of the whole, and etc. So we put a lot of effort to that, you know, up onto the final presentation. So, um, so taking that sort of responsibility, but also showing that there's a human or humans or a team be behind it, that's very, very important. So what do you uh, consider to be your your biggest uh, success, the, the, the favorite session, the favorite uh, speaker memory you have in what oh, you've wow. been curating, a... most inspiring or? That's a, that's a very difficult question. Um, my favorite quotes actually is from Manfred Eicher. Manfred Eicher is the founder of uh, ECM Records, right? The famous classical label. Mm -hmm. 
very important for me when I was in my music production career many years ago. And um, and Manfred, there's a documentary about Manfred made. Um, you know, his sort of life story was that I think he originally he was a clarinet player um, and or a trumpet player. And then in the early 70s, he kind of realized that he had been trained very highly, but he figured out that how hard I would try, I would never be Miles Davis. And then his realization was like, but I can be a person who will help the Miles Davis to be even a better Miles Davis. And in a way that um, that kind of thing struck me a lot uh, in the sense that things around producers or curators, you don't necessarily need to be on the forefront, but you can amplify or you can project or you can create that serendipity that just like helps things to fly. And I actually find a lot of I get a lot of satisfaction from this, you know, when you see the, like, the dots connecting, it's exciting. And, you know, whether it's about really this year, you know, we have some companies who are doing some really extraordinary work on photorealistic metaverse things. And, you know, when then get a, I mean, look, a few days ago, we had uh, Thierry Breton, the European commissioner, um, here in Cannes for a private rendezvous with some European innovators. And, you know, when we showcased some of the European companies and you see when the eyes light up, then, then you know, you know you that know. You're, doing, you, you're doing the right thing, right? I think really it's here and right now it's about the kind of a vision of a human-centered and hopefully ethical and, you know, harnessable technology, you know, versus some larger types of corporate interests or et cetera, where, you know, things maybe are not so so clear or at least prioritized for the consumer and I think that connects us all and if you know we, we are able to generate success uh, um, you know for the old industry I think uh, that's that that's what really kind of excites me. At the beginning of the interview we were saying that uh, of course we're coming uh, somehow out of the pandemic phase I mean even if we're not out yet, but that we are somehow going back to business here in Cannes, uh, the marché, at any case this year. Um, in which way do you think the pandemic has changed conferences? What is going to stay after these changes? What do you think? Uh, everything has changed. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we always tend to think about the kind of negative things around COVID. And of course, it's very tragic. Uh, but a very good friend of mine and a mentor of mine, Barak Berkovitz, who is the CEO of MIT Media Lab and the sort of a Silicon Valley Golden Age veteran, he says that, hey, think about it. We're only looking at two years of human history, two and a half years of human history. We don't even have an adequate projection in the, you know, in a kind of a statistical sense. It's a peak and a drop somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And we are in a, well, anyway, we are in an age of such a prosperity that every loss is just amplified on a, on, you know, scale. We, by any type of a standard measure, we are living in the most prosperous type of, you know, human existence in terms of, like, infant mortality rates, general healthcare, and then et cetera, et cetera. So, but in another way, uh, we have had, you know, tremendous success. I mean, look, telework. Uh, the ability that even, you know, we are a very established company and operating in French jurisdiction and that, that the way that our organization has now started to look at um, how people can, you know, participate in this organization wherever they are, I think it's inherently a good thing, right? And that's the same for conferences, right? Yeah, and Because it's the same for conferences. And I think we've seen a lot of optimization you know, in, a, in a kind of a sense that 
there will be conferences where you want to go yourself um, to be in there, there, but there are also ways how you can get the information more optimum way and you can get it under time and in a place, etc. In many ways, it makes the accessibility much more better. I think the way how we've really gone from having now really great tools and many types of virtual engagement and etc. There's a lot of things to be done. Now the critical question of course is attention and how do you like how do you really kind of plug that in and I think also the let's say the rate of production or what you well inherently we're making TV shows or TED conferences. So so that's that's the kind of the thing what you have to fight for but access to information generally the let's say the the, the quality upgrade of the industry it's it's totally fantastic. The one thing which is which is absolutely missing and we haven't cracked that yet, perhaps you know, Apple glasses maybe in two years or whatever it comes first, is really serendipity. Hmm. And and this is this is a very, very powerful thing. You go in a conference, you sit in a row, you see someone, the someone says, Hey, by the way, and then you know things start rolling. And there's been a few times in my life. Uh, where that, where there's been like you know insane serendipity. Once I was in DLD, which is happening right now in Munich, um, and um, I, I was just hanging about, and I saw my friend Cindy Chin, who's a uh, well-known data scientist and as a data nut, and she's like, "Oh, stand by the way, you know, I want to introduce you to someone." And then it's Brittany Kaiser, who was the Cambridge Analytica whistleblower. You know that type of serendipity we don't get in virtual yet. No, I know I, there are all these uh, carousel of um, uh, random meetings to make some um, uh, magic encounters. I, I think, you know, Carter says that in about seven years we might be in a semi-photorealistic metaverse, or metaverses, right? Um, I think where we start getting that type of a collectivity or a community type of thing, it could really well happen. Uh, but right now we're not yet there. So that's the kind of the missing component. But in, in any other means, I think the, co the conference industry in terms of what type of content it needs to put out to stay afloat, what type of tools we have at that disposal to do a better job. And I, I think it's been a, a big change for good. So Stan, it means I will see you in the metaverse soon? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. And uh, I know there are a couple of uh, last, very last uh, formats here at the Market Next. And um, I will leave you there. Thanks for having me. Bye. Fast Forward is a podcast series produced by The Catalyst, a strategic agency for innovative players at the intersection of digital tech and creative content turning conferences into sites of knowledge exchange and co-creation. More info on catalysts.agency. This podcast is hosted by AC Coppens, concept and editing Michel Kolberg, Anna Despont, research Melissa Veil. Stay tuned for the future.